It's such a, a game changer for athletic performance is our ability to be present and stay present. Be present and stay present. And that's training. That's training the mind. So we like to train the mind every day in meditation, right? Where we're like using mantra or breath or maybe we actually are calm enough and where we can enter into meditation. But it's like the same thing in the pool, right? But we're exercising that muscle, we're flexing that muscle every day on our meditation cushions. That's what, yeah, that, this stuff just doesn't, you can't, so you can't expect to show up on race day and be race ready. Like, I'm going to show up at the race, I'm going to be fine. You, you got to do all this training before you get to race day. And the same thing goes with your mind. And race day is just one example. The supermarket is another. Driving on the five is another. Um, there's so many opportunities out there. So if you're not working or training the mind daily, of course you're going to be reactive. Of course you're going to be uh, responding in a way that you, it doesn't feel good, but it's what feels normal, like something you do all the time. So you got to train the mind every day, every yeah. single day. Welcome back to the January 2022 Osho with me, Jess, and my partner in this whole <sighs> amazing adventure, sometimes fiasco, of Yogi Triathlete. So uh, thanks so much for coming back uh, this month, and we're starting a whole new year, 2022. Great time to be implementing shifts and um, in, like putting intentions into action. There's a lot of energy available for change right now. So yeah, welcome to the show. We'll see how this all unfolds. I like intentions better than resolutions. Yeah. I feel like you intend to do something. What are your intentions? Like, what do you intend to do? Um, it just seems like a strong word. Yeah, I like intention. I think resolution, it's like, I feel like intention, you can have an intention every day. Something about resolution yeah. just feels different. It feels heavier. Uh, and it I'm does. sure that's just the meaning that we've put on it, right? Just a it's word. It's just, just a word. Just Basically. <laughs> Find out something that challenges you and stick to it every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, in 2022, and I'm not a numerology expert by however, any means. However, I do have a little information about the energy available for 2022. So 2022 is a number six year, and you get that by adding two plus zero plus two plus two. And number six is the embodiment of the heart. So pretty cool that in our last Osho, we were talking about carrying this intention of loving unconditionally, right? Um, people, ourselves, uh, and everything that happens in our life, right? Like crappy races, great races, um, you know, good training sessions, training sessions that, you know, make us question everything and just having that unconditional love for ourselves as we navigate all these highs and lows of life. So it's the embodiment of the heart. And the things that are going to be in the forefront of 2022, if you so choose, you're going to have a great opportunity um, to strengthen your relationships and to lean into heightened ideals. So relationships are um, the ones that are really going to thrive in 2022 are the ones that are going to be um, honest and open. There's going to be support a lot more support available for people to open up and be more vulnerable. So if that's something that you want, right? And that has everything to do with just being yourself. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to have vulnerability hangovers and things like that. You will, but you there's going to be more support. There's more people that get it, you guys. There's more people that get it out there. They want m more of um, just truthfulness in, in the way that we move through life. And um, so you're not alone if that's something that you want. And of course, you're not alone because that's something that we always intend for every day is just to be truthful with our lives. So, but with everything in this world of contrast, um, there's also going to be relationships that really encounter a lot of strife and conflict when those heightened ideals and those higher vibrations are not embraced. And and really, I think the only reason that those things wouldn't be embraced is like just fear, right? Like fear of not being accepted. Um, but it is um, a great year for relationships. The other thing is responsibility. So 
Uh, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Like show up for that race you signed up for. Show up for the people in your life. Show up for yourself. And um, the mantra that uh, my teacher had given me for the year is I joyfully accept my responsibilities. And basically what he was alluding to and the thing that he wrote to me was like, yeah, you're going to have you're going to have responsibilities like come up in your face that are going to be super easy to embrace joyfully. And there's going to be the ones that are really difficult. And so holding that mantra that like I'm accepting responsibility, letting the yes be yes, letting the, you know, even like the policies that we put forward with our business, like we, we need to stand firm on those. Um, and, um, and then also deep healing, which I was, uh, leaving a message from my sister this morning and I, I was telling her that and uh, I said yeah it's going to be a year of deep healing which you know is going to be like some storms some storms will come because without the contrast we can't grow and without commitment we can't grow either so those things will be at the forefront of 2022 yeah I like those I love contrast I huh. love contrast Careful for what you wish. Well, for. I'm not wishing. I didn't say I want contrast. <laughs> I just I had the relationship because I've been talking with athletes about it more recently. You know, with you know injuries and and um, sickness, and you know, I was there too, where you get so pulled into it and you can't see a way out, or you'll you'll form this belief or tap into this belief that you'll never get back to where you were, or you only wish this would pass so quickly. And that's just us and our human. Are human bodies and human minds. But if we look at it as just what is it reinforcing? Well, you know, for once it's, you know, reinforcing me to to eat more, eat eat wisely, get back on the train of eating, you know, with more intention, more uh, you know, fruits and vegetables, like when you start to wean off of it a little bit, or maybe I need to do my, you know, my strength and mobility before I head out. <laughs> For that hour run, maybe it's a 55 minute run and I take five minutes to warm up the body. It's these little things that I feel when uh, injury or sickness or anything comes up, opportunity that we can learn from it. It's like, how far are you willing to go to stay awake um, in this pursuit uh, to where you want to go, to this higher calling? Yeah. I know you and I are, are in it. Like I think we feel it strongly. Oh, do we? <laughs> Every day. Got it. <laughs> I was you really want to go this I was far? in it this morning for sure. Yeah. I was just in a lot of contrast this morning and and I sat for meditation after you left to teach and I just cried. Like I was like cried for a little bit. I was like, oh, so good. And then I went into a nice deep state of peace. Um we have to have I had to move that emotion um in order to move into the peace. So yeah, contrast, injury. Like, talk a little bit about that. Like, what uh, what are some of the things that you're talking with your athletes about with, with injury? Yeah, I, it can stem from anything. You know, a, a sore foot to a back to your shoulder, um, whatever physical ailment is happening in the body, and immediately the mind goes to, I can't do anything. You know, I can't do the swim, bike, or run, and. And that's so untrue. It's so untrue. There's always something you can do. Uh, this is why, you know, I personally believe like triathlon is like this beautiful, orchestrated um, collaboration of movements that allows you to constantly uh, ebb and flow with uh, keeping momentum going. You can ebb and flow with what activities you're doing to keep momentum moving forward. Uh, so, yeah, I, d I mean, there's so many times I've been injured and I've just swam, like gone into a swim block. So how am I working with it, uh, with the athletes? It's really about, you know, asking, we do this a lot, but asking, you know, what's true about this uh, injury? What is true? Is it really true that this is the worst it's ever been in your whole life? Like, this is the worst, worst it's ever been. And it could be, very well could be, but really ask yourself, is this the worst it's ever, ever been? Um, and quite often it's not. It's just in this moment, it feels really intense. So like you cried today um, because you were feeling something. Like if 
if an injury feels intense, like feel that, oh, this is really intense. It's really intense. It's a feeling. But I know that I'm not always going to feel like this and that I could wake up tomorrow and this thing could be completely gone. It depends on the extent of what the opportunity well, is. Well, I don't know. I don't agree. I don't know if I agree with that. I think anything can change in an instant. I mean, I guess a broken bone, things like that. Yeah, yeah I guess that's what I'm For For, I'm yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Until, yeah. we, until we begin to perform miracles. <laughs> so yeah, I think But there is right. already a shift. Like, where was it? Two, two weeks ago, I was having a heel sensation. I'll speak for me, like a heel sensation. And I'm like, I just chose to like <laughs> dive into running. I'm going to get some volume and it starts this week. And, you know, no different from anybody else. And then a week into it, it's like, I can't walk on this heel. Like, what is going on? It's so funny. This is, this is such a rolling thing in my life or in any athlete's life, if you can look at it. So, you know, you just keep moving forward. I started to bike and swim and actually started to swim a lot more because you were starting to swim or are swimming more and uh, just started walking. So I spent like 10 days walking. And then I just one day woke up and said, I'm just going to try and run. Just going to try and do it. Um, and I've been running, walking ever since. Because sometimes not running actually isn't the answer. No, I've learned that too. Yeah, so I, it, I think it's agree. so important to discern when we have something that seems to be recurring in our body to really look at it as brand new and pull from the past the things that have, have been helpful and see if they're helpful for this new situation of the recurring uh, opportunity in your body. But that that's the first thing I do anytime it becomes apparent that I like it's like okay you gotta you just gotta stop and let's face it it's typically in for most people it's running yeah um is like first thing I do is like what can I do and I just make a list what can I do and I just stay focused on that and it doesn't mean that you don't have those moments of like like you just said like I was just gonna dive in and it was all planned out and you know it happens all the time like how, oh my god it's happened so much that I just exp- I just I just shift I I laugh. I laugh. It's like, oh, you thought you were going to run a lot of my, okay, well, you're not doing it right now. So what do we do? Oh, it's meant for me to get on the bike more and swim more and do a little bit more self-care. Great. Well, that's what I'm doing. That's what I've been asked to do. So I don't, I don't get all like angst that I have been in that position before where I feel that resistance. That's really what it is. Yeah, the resistance is the, the resistance is um, the thing that just expands all the things that we don't want, right? Pushing against, and it's such a natural. It's like such an instinctual reaction when something's happening, either in our bodies or in the world outside of us. We want to push against, and the only thing that that does is it just the very thing that we don't want continue. Like we expand it. It's because. We want it to go away. And I think that the, the grace or the finesse is in acceptance. Okay, this is the way it is. And really feeling all of those feelings of resistance, but not engaging in all the commentary and the thoughts about the resistance. So feel it, like you said, feel it, like feel the, as, um, as I've heard you say before, like feel the suck, right? Like feel it, fully feel it. Um, but do that in a way where your awareness is fully on the feeling and not engaging in the thoughts about the feeling because the thoughts, if we keep practicing those thoughts, then we become, then we have beliefs about the things that crop up in our bodies. And this cycle will happen again until you begin to feel and experience these challenges more and more. Yeah, we're going to get gonna keep cycling and cycling. Yeah, like over and over and over and over and over until we overcome. And when I say overcome, I think it has little to do with like pushing through and I think it has everything to do with acceptance and non-resistance and allowing and moving in the direction towards what we want. It's a superpower. I really think it's a superpower. What's a superpower? To allow and not resist. Oof, yeah, it's it, but it's 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 a superpower that you got to flex. It's a, a muscle that becomes a superpower that you have to flex 
all the time. I remember when we read uh, Surrender Experiment, Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. Um, and we were like, we kind of dove in. We we're like, all right, let's just like surrender. And I started to notice how many times in a day that I had the opportunity to fight or surrender, right? To accept and allow or to resist. And it was, it was, over, it was like overwhelming sometimes, right? But that's the work. That is going to allow you for next time when you have a day full of challenges to be more on to, okay, just roll with it. I just say, okay. I just say, okay. The resistance is a little bit less. It starts to lose its power and grip on you. Yes. Right? You it'll, it might still be there. Oh, it'll, it'll still it'll be, be there. But it'll be easier not to engage with it. Yeah, I don't think you can ever get, get rid of it. I, or I haven't experienced that yet where I have no resistance. <laughs> but I have it, the, the time frame between the, when the resistance arrives and to my reaction to that has gotten much better and more efficient. I will say that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, the way it rolls. Well, it's, uh, so I started swimming, and I've you know been upping my game in the pool. And um, I would say maybe like a month ago, remember I was like, oh my god, I can't lift my like. I was like doing this crazy like compensation thing to like try and get the oatmeal out of the. And I was like, oh my god, and you know, your the mind is so funny. Like it catastrophizes. I'm like, I'm gonna have to have surgery. Like I'm not gonna be able to swim and. And I and like just watching all these thoughts, and the dramatic tone in which I just recounted that makes it seem like I was going down that road. I wasn't. That's the dramatic tone of the catastrophizing mind. But I was just watching it, like, oh my god! And those are kind of scary thoughts. And then um, started to just open up like my pecs more. Started to do some wall angels, and guess what? Like I have. <laughs> full range of motion now with without any issues. And it's like, I just needed to take responsibility for what, what can I do? What can I do? And it wasn't off the question to go to the PT or whatever. That's never out of the question. But I had this kind of had this gut feeling of like, you can like, why don't you start doing something and see what that does? Use the <laughs> library of information you already have from your aware, your bodywork degree that you have. Like use the information and apply it to yourself, and then begin to see how that transforms. Right? We get so caught up in, and you're probably going down the road. I'll speak for myself. You know, when I have injury, I go down the road of like, will this ever go away, or like, will I ever be able to run again? Right? So it goes super far down. But all that really matters is like what we're experiencing today. So you opened up yourself a little bit more. You don't have as much tightness. It's a win for today. And I kept, I kept checking in with myself. I was like, stopping swimming didn't seem to be the answer. And it wasn't bothering me in when I was swimming. But it was interesting because like, I would say maybe there was like a week where I was feeling it when I was swimming. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I just stayed with it and I upped the game on the self-care and everything. And then it was like, Sometimes things have to get a little worse before they get better. And then all of a sudden I realized, like, I think I checked in like a couple weeks ago. I was like, oh my God, like it's completely gone now. But it got a little bit worse and I was like, hmm, should I stop the swim? And that's when you really, you want to have that good relationship with the inner compass, right? Because that's the compass that's going to say, we get that question all the time. How do you know when to push? How do you know when to... You know, you'll know. Yeah. So my question is, I don't know. How do you know, right? Like, how do you know? I know how I know. I'm, I listen to that intuition and I'm not scared to take a risk. Like I'll stay, I stayed in the pool. I did the workouts. I, you know, saw, it wasn't a life or death situation. Like I saw how it felt after the swim wasn't bad. And then all of a sudden it got better. I think that's more often than not. I talk about knowing yourself. I, I, I know that not doing anything is not the solution for me. I've done this too many times. Oh my god! I know I've done this way too many times. <laughs> I have. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> I prefer to move the body because I know that in the end, I'm the movement is what is the, is healing me. The movement is what's healing me. That doesn't mean I'm going to go smash myself in the pool or the bike or the run. It means I'm going to keep moving the body. I'm going to do yoga probably you know a couple more times a day, like little flows. I'm probably going to walk Clark a little bit more. I'm keeping things. Maybe I'll add in some stairs as I walk. Like these are the things that I always have control over and always have trust that I'm not putting myself in harm's way by keeping this moving, 
right? Keeping this momentum moving. But I also know that I'm not afraid to jump into the pool and give it a few, you know, give it a few intervals to see how I feel when I warm up. Um, this set that we've been doing in the pool, not the 300 set, but the pulling, like constantly pulling, like there's times I'm just not sure when I go through this set if I'm going to make it. And that intrigues me to, to limitless amounts. Like, you do like the first, I do like the first four. So I want you to explain that set, but like I do the first 400 and I'm like invincible. And then I start getting into the second set and then I start getting into the third part of it. And I'm just like, oh my God. Like, it's, everything's getting, because it's, the whole set is 4,000 If you do the whole pulling, set, it's 4,000 pulling. Which I have not yet done the full. I'm building into it. Yeah, it takes time. So what's It the, takes a year. In, in my opinion, it takes years to get up to, to that. Like, um, quote unquote, safely. Yeah, so well, not. you want durable. It's about durability in the shoulders. And all the time when you do a workout, it should not be debilitating. You should be able to go. You should. <laughs> Ideally, it'd be great to go out the next day and be able to continue to train. So if you're, if you're constantly doing workouts and feeling thrashed from them, there's something off. You're, you're going too hard. You should be able, you should, should. <laughs> ideally it'd be great to train the next day. But yeah, this, so this set is 4,000 pulling. So snor, uh, buoy, snor, snor, yeah. buoy band around your ankles and then paddles. And a lot of uh, the athletes I coach don't get paddles because it really it really begins to mess with your stroke if you don't have the power and um, endurance to hold form for the entire set. You're gonna you're gonna stuff is gonna happen, as Jerry Rodriguez says from Tower Twenty Six. Stuff will happen, and it's stuff moving you in the opposite direction. Uh, so yeah, it's four thousand yards. It's four by one hundred on. Uh, ever decre- descending send-off times, so by five seconds. And then you do that same thing, but you do two of each of the 100s. And then you do the same thing, three of each of the 100s. So it's 100, so it's four times 100, 100, 100, 100, all leaving on five seconds decreasing. Then you go four times, uh, no, two times 100. I know it's tricky, two times 200, two times 200, two times 200. All at de- the same decrease, the same time. Time always stays, you know, you always decrease by five seconds. Uh, then it's three times 100, three times 100, three times 100, three times 100. Then it's four times 100, four times 100, <laughs> four times 100, four times 100. So if it, let's just give some send off time. So let's say like two minutes. 155, 155, 150, 145, 145. right. And the first four, just like you do the first four, and then the second one, you're doing two at those send-offs, and yep. then three at those send-offs, and four and at And you those want send-offs. that last one. Let's just use your example at 145. You want to come in with like two to four seconds of rest. going out of f- You want it to be a little bit challenging on that fourth one. So by the time you get to the final set, the last four of the 4,000 yards, you've got to hit like... Really strong. Your arms are tired. You got to stay with form. You got to stay calm, and you got to uh, you got to get under that set. Usually, I get to that point, and I make it by two or three seconds, it, mm. just quickly. So I hit the wall, wait for a second or two, and then I'm back off, out for the next. So it's a good one to build into. Like I've been doing that set for a while, but when we were in like the pool reservation oh, phase yeah, of life, yeah. I had 45 minutes, so I, I would get through the first four, and then the second. Four. And then now I started now I've started to go into the third set where I'm doing three, three. <laughs> this is so confusing. If, so, if, if somebody doesn't understand pool talk, they're like, what? Why do they descend times? It's a like, good, yeah, it's a good it's a good <laughs> set, but you gotta build into it. You gotta yeah. build into it. And you it. asked me did you ask me if I get lost like on the send times? Yeah, you don't though. I don't. Like my times move it moves all over the clock and you're doing it for 45 minutes. So it sometimes it's 5 past, sometimes it's you know 50, sometimes it's 30. Like you got to keep doing math while you're doing this set. It really keeps you engaged. It, it's it's changed my you know, yeah, you're going to get stronger from the paddles and all that work, but for me it's about a challenging set that pushes me or has pushed me out of my comfort zone in the past. We just don't know quite if you're going to make it or not. And there's 
been, I would say more often than not, I get to that third set finish. I'm like, I don't know if I should do 1600 yards more, you know, but I just say, I just need to take that next swim. Cause in that third round, I'm coming off just barely making it. And then I go into four easies, right? And so I'm like, okay, well, at least I have four easies to regroup. And by the time I get that, then I do the mat rationalization. I only have 1200 left. So, and it just, it just keeps ticking down. And by the time you're done with it, you're like, how did I just do, you know, 4,000 So it sounds like you're talking about presence, like present moment awareness. I guess that this is the set that absolutely teaches that because you're constantly working with numbers. I think that it's just, it's such a, a game changer for athletic performance is our ability to be present and stay present, be present and stay present. And that's training. That's training the mind. Um, So we like to train the mind every day in meditation, right? Where we're like using mantra or breath, or maybe we actually are calm enough and where we can enter into meditation. Um, But it's like the same thing in the pool, right? But we're exercising that muscle. We're flexing that muscle every day on our meditation cushions, that's what, yeah, yeah, this stuff just doesn't, you can't, so you can't expect to show up on race day and be race ready. Like, I'm going to show up at the race, I'm going to be fine. You, you, you got to do all this training before you get to race day. And the same thing goes with your mind. And race day is just one example. The supermarket is another. Driving on the five is another. Um, there's so many opportunities out there. So if you're not working or training the mind daily, of course you're going to be reactive. Of course you're going to be uh, responding in a way that you, it doesn't feel good, but it's what feels normal, like something you do all the time. So you got to train the mind every day, every yeah. single day. Yeah, yeah, especially there's, gosh, there's, there's a lot of fear out there right now. We've talked to some people who are traveling over the holidays and we we didn't go anywhere, we stayed here. But yeah, there's some intense stuff going on in the world. And so we can get really caught up in that. And then the mind will catastrophize and, and the mind is, it's not bad. And the ego is not bad. It's just left to its own devices. It will create great misery in life. Um, so I don't know, I think for me, it's been life changing to train the mind. And I just can't imagine. It's like, it's like, walking with Clark on a leash, you know, and having him heal. It's, it's every day. It's, you know, for his own safety, walking through the village, like we want him to be able to walk in a way that is, you know, he understands that we stop before we cross the street and things like that. And same thing, like, and, and also what we found with training Clark, uh, which we didn't really know with our first dogs was like, we removed the word no which was the best thing we could have ever done. And what we do is we, we, we were trained by a trainer to train Clark in a way where we would redirect him to the behavior that we desired. Isn't this the same thing we do with ourselves, right? Like when we're training the mind, we want to redirect ourselves. We're just guiding. We're not stopping the resistance. We're not stopping the thoughts. We're not stopping the thing that's making us feel really scared. We're guiding ourselves in the direction of what we desire. And through that, we were able to give Clark a lot more love because we weren't frustrated by saying no all the time because no loses its loses its meaning really quick with a dog. If everything is no, they don't understand what no is, right? So, um, and it allowed us to really lean into positive reinforcement. When everything is no. <laughs> when everything is no. <laughs> I've said that like <laughs> consistently. No, no, like no, don't, right? Yeah, it doesn't so work. It just doesn't work. It doesn't so work. the cool thing was that we were able to. We were trained by this dog trainer, which actually I've now taken into my own life as I train my mind every day. It's like we get to celebrate his victories, and so it's all very positive and positive reinforcement. And um, and that's the same thing. We we you know. We don't yell at Clark or we don't, we don't punish Clark. We direct him in, in towards the behavior we desire. And I've adopted that for myself and it works because I used to beat myself up and punish myself and that just doesn't 
feel good, right? Especially when you're injured, right? Like you're injured, like it's bad enough. You can't do what you want. And then you're just like, I'm a loser. I'm the worst runner. You know, I'm just saying me, like I've definitely had these moments. And, um, you know, there was no class on this in school. And so wherever you're sitting now with, you know, the, the mental piece of your life, you're exactly where you need to be to open up to the life you really, really desire. And even though I feel like I'm really living the life I desire, like I still, fi- I still find little things in the corners, like, ooh, look at that limiting belief. Like, look at that. And so you really start to dig down, dig down, dig down. And, you know, even if you think um, maybe you've got it all squared away, my experience is that I can always find something because I haven't gotten rid of that ego and you won't. You won't. So. Yeah, there's always something to, there's always something to work on. I don't just think about when we were at Choice yesterday and Clark was raring to go to get on the counter, you know, because <laughs> he probably thought it was the coffee shop that has the cookies, right? <sighs> so, so do you yank him because he really wants to get up? He did get up a few times and um, they just love Clark there. Uh, but but to, to yank them and pull them down, it's not going to work. So you just reset. You know, you take them, you walk them over to the edge, and you sit them down, and you just say, "Stay," right? And just and, and this is what we learn. You know, you're, they're going to pick up on your energy. So if you're calm, they will eventually become calm. It may take a few weeks, months, <laughs> years, but eventually it will happen. So it's more of a tool for me, and I'm not going to speak for you, but to have these, we'll call them moments of policing your <laughs> reaction and just get calm, like take a breath, use the tools that you just shared, like in meditation, shift your awareness from something, not removing it, but shift it away from anxiousness or fear or, or anxiety or, or whatever to calm. And how do you find calm? Well, focus on your breath. The same thing can happen in a race. You're standing in line and the race is delayed or now they say it's not going to be you know wetsuit legal, like take a breath, shift awareness from the thoughts that are going to flood in that say, well, when I swam without a wetsuit, it was like this. And, you know, what are my time is going to be now? Like <clears throat> really, really use, use what you're practicing in meditation. I was talking with someone today on the phone or yesterday. This is why we do them. It's not just to check off 10 minutes of meditation in training peaks. It's to, it's to, it's to use what you're, what you're practicing in meditation to what you're doing throughout the day. That's the connection. Anybody can go into training peaks and mark off 10 minutes of sitting still and quiet, right? That's great. It's the start and you want to be consistent at that. But what are you taking with you when you leave leave the meditation? You know? Yeah, yeah. Like if you get off the cushion, are you like hell on wheels for the rest of the day? <laughs> well, that's, that's why Bob is like, meditator Bob's like, just sit in that, open your eyes and just be there for a moment or two, or as long as you want when, yeah. you, when you're done with meditation. Well, that's super important because that's, you know, anybody wants to strengthen that intuition, right? That if you have that question, when do I know when to push and when do I know when to pull back? Well, you need to develop the the relationship with your intuitive voice the one that knows, the one that knows all the time. And when we come out of meditation, even if it's a busy meditation, the mind is busy or whatever, you know, the the body itself, the nervous system is going to have benefit from the stillness and the breathing, um, relaxing breath where you're stimulating the parasympathetic nervous system. And so you begin to touch that meditative self. You begin to touch that intuitive self. And so when we open up our eyes after the meditation, it's not get up and, you know, get on the phone and start like, it's sit there. And I think this takes so much discipline to sit there for two or three minutes and just kind of look around. And what's happening is you're merging that intuitive awareness with the physical world. And then guess what happens? The intuitive awareness becomes more robust as you move through the physical world. It's pretty cool. So then when you're out there and you're training, you're doing your 400s or you're doing 800s and, you know, you get that, all of a sudden that thing, you're like, ooh, there's that thing or, oh, that's new, my quad, like, what's that? Then you'll know, okay, I'm going to go out on top, I'm going to stop, 
I'm going to break, I'm going to do this last 800 as two 400s. I'm going to do this last 800 as four 200s. Like you just know because you've got that intuitive part of you that is just all knowing. Um, it just has more, you have a deeper relationship with it. You go everywhere with it. I mean, you're always going everywhere with it, but if you, if you can't heal it, hear it, it's because we need to turn up the volume of it. And, and to strengthen that intuition is to keep having experiences. Yeah, you got to risk, like, you got you to gotta risk. You got to risk, like, it, that. We're not uh, saying risk, like, like, you know, jump out in the street. We're, we're saying, like, risk, you know, let's talk athletes, like, risk trying to hit, working to hit the time that you're prescribed to hit, but instead, you know, giving it up to something that you may you may uh, risk in terms of I may not make the time because I'm trying to slow, I'm trying to breathe easy. I'm trying not to get so chaotic. I'm trying not to get panicky, mm, right? Yeah, like yeah. And that will strengthen the intuition that says, it doesn't matter how deep I get into a set and how in, intense it be, tends to get, I can always choose calm and realistically, I'm not going to lose a lot of time. I'm actually going to probably gain time. This is my experience by just relaxing and being in the in the flow. And I'm talking swimming right now, of reaching and grabbing water versus like really trying to grunt my way through it. But you have to have those initial moments where you might risk in this particular set not hitting the time, right? Because right. you're learning how to work with the feelings that are coming up, which are not uh, are not serving you in this particular yeah set. and test out test out the intuition like if it says okay do this or um and test it out see if it's true be an experiment of one so there's a podcast i don't know if it's season one or season two of awake athlete called intuition versus mind stuff that's a good one because i give some actually i give some exercises in there to do when you're running like doing um when you're training to start to test out your intuition so that's that's a cool one, and uh, yeah, season three is starting to uh, starting to come together. Yeah, um, I'm looking for some new music for the for the intro on that. I'm feeling like I'm different than when I started that podcast, and um, things are evolving. And so, yeah, I uh, just kind of wrapped up the first part of a big project, and so everything had to get on hold. But I'll be looking to start recording that. I think. Mm, soon. Yeah. Let's see. Exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. It is. You're going to go into your closet over there? and The closet's changed, though. We've done different things since you last recorded in there. I know. Now it's, it's... got your desk outside. Uh, I do the Awake Athlete Live in there with Clark. Mm -hmm. Yeah, My podcast closet's been flagged. <laughs> All right, so I know that um, people have reached out to us and they want us to talk about what we did on Christmas Eve. So Beege and I did, well, why don't you tell them? I feel like I talk a lot. We did, our meditation teacher challenged us to meditate Christmas Eve day um, for eight hours. And the reason why is because during that time around Christmas, the energy in the world is, uh, overflowing with love and compassion and, uh, community. And so everybody's in good spirits and it's a time to, to pull the collective in as much as we can. So the more that we can meditate and meditate at the same time, uh, the better. Um, so you had done a three hour, of course, you know, with training, this is what you do. Like you train, you train yourself to build up to it. I think the longest I've done was two hours on the plane when we forgot and somehow the timers didn't go off and we were actually meditating for two hours. But that's the longest I did once. Um, <laughs> by mistake. By mistake. <laughs> but when the eight hour was approached to me, it's, it's been in the back of my mind. I've heard it before. Jess and Meditator Bob have talked about it, but it just... It just seemed like something to do. I don't know. It just I just talk about intuition. It just felt the time was right. And I didn't get caught up in it like, oh my God. I just knew I was gonna do it. There's just I don't know. I don't know. It's tough to ask people when they know, how do you know? I just know. And I knew. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, you're pretty chill about it. You're like, got my spot, got my setup. 
I was like, in, in, in my mind was like, do I put the heater on? Do I not put the heater on? Like, do I, should I use this pillow? What am I going to do? Because Bob's like, you know, don't move. Like, if you have to, but don't move. <laughs> and you're just like, that idea of like not moving for eight hours. Um, and I've got that planning kind of part of me that's, uh, you know, pretty well versed and and it's like okay do I use the red pillow should I use the zabutan cushion like and I ended up getting having like a sweet set it was like a a barge I had like a barge set up it was awesome you took a crash pad too didn't you yeah from your camping that was the barge yeah yeah it's awesome oh yeah so well let's start there how did your setup look yeah, so I had, when Beej and I lived on the road, I was like, no more of this crash crash pad or sleeping pad that's like I can roll up and put in my backpack and we can, you know, sleep in a hut on the side of a mountain. It's like I'm going full on biggest, most like comfy crash pad ever. And I have like an extra large, extra cush um, crash pad. So anyway, I got that because... I felt like in the three hour meditations or 90 minute meditations, I felt like upper hamstring just like burning. And so I knew I needed a little extra cushion. So I put that on the bottom and then I put my Zabutan cushion on it, which is a big square cushion that's maybe a couple inches thick. And then I had, um, oh, and then I got um, actually purchased uh, like a backjack, like a meditation chair to support my back, which I then slid like a little blanket behind my back to keep my spine nice and straight and blankets and super comfy outfit. Like, you know, I was like, okay, what am I, what's going to be my eight hour meditation outfit? Like my super comfy Bolega, like, extra cush socks and voire sweatpants and didn't want to be hot, didn't want to be cold. Um, so I think I had like a light sweatshirt on and it, I was, I set up kind of like in this little foyer area, which we have now, um, discovered can be a place where people sleep yeah, if they want to come in, if they want to come in coach Liz slept there. Um, and she will be sleeping there again in a couple of weeks. And so, and it's underneath a window and I was facing East, which I wanted to face East for, for sunrise. So my setup was awesome. It was super dialed. I, and I had, um, I had, I don't even know, I don't know, maybe a couple hours in, I felt something like in my mid back, right along my spine, like those erector muscles. And I just kind of adjusted. That's, that's actually when I slid the, um, the blanket in behind me, a small little blanket. And then that was it. That was gone. I had no physical issues whatsoever, which, you know, I could do a 45 minute meditation every morning and I've got physical issues. So this was just a gift from the universe. Like my body felt amazing. So what was your setup? I was upstairs in the loft. My back was up against the wall. I had my, I didn't sit on my meditation cushion. I used it behind my lower back, but I was on one of these floor. If you're watching this, one of these floor pillows. And then the Clark's bed was where my feet went in because it's got this nice lip up here. But I also tucked a, um, where's the blue thing that we have? Bolster. The bolster on top of Clark's edge of the bed. And so I draped my legs over that. So they were out straight in front of me with a, with a bend at the knee. Yeah, I had. Which I, I'm, I'm I, sitting cross-legged right now, which I don't normally do. I had a pillow under my knees too. That will just help to take pressure off the yeah. low back and. Yeah, so cool. You had the dog bed. And then a blanket on top of me. And then Clark (laughs) came up and laid in the bed a few times and on my feet, but I just sat there. (laughs) Just sat there. I just thought about the monks that they just drip water. You know, the water just keeps dripping. They can't move in the caves. Just one of the practices that they... I've never even heard of that. Oh, yeah. Sounds like torture. Do they do it on purpose? I think so. Just see if if they can stay focused and and calm. That's that's like a whole other level. So man. yeah, so Clark had come up, um, especially early on. So we we decided what time. Like I wanted to get done before noon, and I was thinking three thirty. So we got up at three, and we ended up starting the meditation at three forty, 
ending at 11.40. A.M. A.M. Um, and I think you can share your thoughts too. I'd love to hear that. But getting up in the dark and starting it. I know we live in a peaceful like complex and area of Carlsbad. But even being up early in the morning was even super, more super, more super. <laughs> it was even quieter in the morning, like really quiet. And so you could kind of just nestle in and, and settle in. And that was much easier. I, I kind of had that vision, like it would be easier at 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, you want to start early. So yeah, we started at 3.40. 40. And when I had done, I had done a couple three hour meditations and I started those at four in the morning so that I'd be finished at seven. And, um, so, and I've meditated that early before and it's just, it's a great time to meditate. So yeah, the earth is calm. The world is calm. There's a lot of calm energy, a lot of, uh, receiving and giving. There's a lot of love so uh, there's two times a year that we find that one is on Christmas Eve and one is actually Easter. So we're going to do another one, um, Easter. But uh, the really cool thing, and it was just the whole thing was like gift from the universe, left and right, left and right, left and right, because we had this insane winter storm moving through and the winds were super high and it would just like pour and there was like, it's hard to explain like, I heard the, the palm trees experience swing. when you're meditating for that long because you're aware. But it was like I was watching the storm. I wasn't in the storm. It was very interesting. Um, and then when we came out, like towards the end, and I don't know when that happened, but I felt sun on my face. And I was like, oh my gosh, the storm is gone. And I knew I'd been there for a while, but honestly, it didn't feel, it didn't feel that long. I mean, I, this was hands down, best case scenario, eight-hour meditation. So amazing. Um, I reached heights that I had not before. I had experiences I had not had before, and I could not have imagined these deep states of bliss. I could not have imagined what I experienced. It was, it was, it was beyond. It was just beyond what we could ever think about. And, and I don't have words for it. And I wish I did. And I just I don't have words for it. And I don't think you're supposed to have words for it because it's beyond what we can articulate. It's touching the non-physical. It's it's tuning yourself to the non-physical and becoming that. I guess those are kind of the best. That's the best way I can describe it. I had some really really whoo. And you wax and wane, I mean, but I had some really, really beautiful experiences, lots of lost time, lots of, that did not feel like eight hours. Um, and I had no battle. I had no, like in my body or my mind. So this was like such a gift. And, and I think the last 11 years of meditation like set me up and all the, and not just meditation, but everything I do off the cushion um, every day. And, um, yeah, I think it really set me up for this experience and I, I long for the next one. How about you? Yeah, I had, I, looking back as I, as we get out, I, I kind of recorded to kind of capture what I went through. And I remember, I, I, I just remember early on at least two moments where I just, I guess lost time. Like I just, it just exists. Like I was just there or I wasn't there, I guess. Like it just, it just, it's so tough to explain. But there were many moments where I was coming back to so hum, like so hum, breath in, breath out, breath in, breath out, so hum, or doing breathing, you know, to, to shift awareness back. And never was there a moment I was panicky or I need to get up and out. I was committed right from the start. Because all I, I rationalize it as I, you're telling me I just get to sit here for eight hours. Like I just need to sit and breathe for eight hours. That's what you're telling me. Okay, I can do that. Um, and then I had I had a moment where I kind of, I guess I had floated away and then came back and I, I 
I didn't know where my legs or hands were. I didn't. I couldn't. I was like, are my fingers touching or not touching? Are my hands on my legs? I couldn't feel like I didn't have that feeling. So the the disassociation with the physical, I would say, was was extremely pronounced. And that was like that third time. I was like, I don't know. I was, and I'm like, why? Why are you thinking about whether you know or not? It doesn't matter. And then I would come back to to breathing. Yeah, that was a pretty profound moment. And then the other thing was really weird was the robot in the baby <laughs> carriage, which was just so crazy. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, we had some really like deep memory. I had some like just flashes of memories in my from my life. I had that. Um, yeah, what's the robot and the baby yeah, carriage? I want to get back to that because I was thinking about, I had things that popped in that I've never thought about in my life and I can't even recall what they were. But, th- but some things early on that I have <laughs> totally, I guess, blocked. Out of memory? Yeah, but the robot in the baby carriage was weird. It was a blue robot, and this person was rolling a stroller down with a robot in the carriage, and it was coming at me. So for those out there that do analysis of meditations where you have these visions, I'd love to hear what that's about. Uh, And we were watching, we didn't watch any robot movies. Uh, We were watching 14 Peaks. Yeah, that the was night before, which again really powerful. Like, couldn't have planned this better. Yeah. We started watching 14 Peaks. Uh, about the Nepali climber who climbed the highest 14 peaks in seven months. Seven months. Um, mm-hmm. And so we have these like visions of like these super high peaks and and just that that altitude and where the air is thin, where things are more subtle. This is why we have people meditate on the plane because you're in that more subtle energy. So it's easier. So that was really cool. We had that and then we finished the the movie the next day after the meditation. But I felt amazing after the meditation. Did we go for we a went walk? For, we went walking, we went running. We, um, I think, we, I don't know if we made kitchery that night or we just did like tons of veggies, but I felt really, really good. And I mean, so talk about it for like athletes. I mean, I just, I just felt like my whole system was healing yeah, for me, I just felt this empowerment. I felt that I could con- I can control my I can control my thoughts. I can control w- what I like I can commit and execute and follow through and have a beautiful experience. Like I've got that determination and I came out of it I feel to a sense invincible as an athlete. I've got this uh, belief strengthen that I can discipline the mind enough to sit still for eight hours. You know, that to me connects on a level that I'll take to this season of racing as an athlete and be able to feel the moments of how do you know and not know? I'll just know. And knowing for me is going to be like, oh yeah, I've sat still for eight hours. I can push, I can push through for another 20, 30 minutes on this bike to finish strong, not you know, dial back and just be safe coming into transition. Like I can push, um, knowing that I, I've proven many times that I can, you know, run well off the bike. So it's those moments I feel are going to be less and less the indecision and more so it's going to be this trust based on this experience. So this is something that I'll hold with me. You know, I'm not always going to like revel in it, but it's a, it's a knowing now that I've got this ability to shift my mind at any time. This just so happened to be an eight-hour meditation. So in training, I think, that, when was that? Was this two weeks ago or a week ago? It's almost two weeks ago now that we did that. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been going through this swim feeling of like, I need to get back into it. And then things weren't jiving. I wasn't feeling the pool. And so I backed off and sort of just went shorter on my sets. But after that meditation, I just feel like, I feel like I have I I have it like I have everything I need. I just I just need to move on in spite of any thoughts or feelings that are keeping me back. Yeah. That's what I'm feeling. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I know and you had quite a and a, a different experience because when I came out and I said invincible you're like my well I think that was a couple days after so I felt really good the day of and and 
Bob had warned me that, you know, you can also get stuff like kicked up and you can. So I think it was like starting Christmas Day. I just had this kind of like general malaise and like disappointment with how we live as humans. And almost like a depressive type of energy and anxious, like, oh, like a fist in my heart. And I was really aware. I was like, okay, yep, you went that deep. And I had had these experiences that you just can't even put into words. But to, to have put myself into an experience that allowed me a deeper understanding of what's available and who we truly are. And it was like the way, the way I explain it is just like that's available, yet we live like this. And I'm including myself in this, you guys. And, um, and so I just watched all of that. It sucked. It, it felt like crap for days, but I kept moving the body. I was gentle when I felt like I needed to be gentle, swimming, right, flow, Swimming is so good for helping to move energy because you're in that flow. You're in the non-resistance of the water. It's you're being held up. Like it's just so beautiful. And and then it, it took a while. It was like four or five days, um, and then it like cleared. <sighs> it cleared. But you know, I went about my day and I didn't get too caught up in it. Um, I was really gentle with myself, and you know, it was helpful to have that warning that that could happen. And I reached out to my friend Meg, who's um, you know one of the girls that I do the retreats with, and she's done uh, many eight-hour meditations, probably even longer. And she was like, "Yeah, pretty much everyone I've done, I've felt that same thing—just like general disappointment in the human race, you know, and in, in how I've lived." And and so you know that can happen, right? There's the contrast. There's the contrast. And so I wish that, yeah, I wish that it was like I had this amazing experience and then it just lasted and I'm still in it, but that's not the case. And we got to live in the world. But the goal, you know, that I set many, many years ago is living in the world, but not of it, you know, not living under the grips of it, Um, you know, following the rules, doing the things, being respectful. But I now know on on a level that, gosh, I never thought I would know that there is something besides this physical world, and it is magnificent. Yeah, I don't know how to how to top that. Should we it, wrap it, was, it up? Yeah, it was a it, it was a it was a beautiful experience. It was. I really look forward to the next one. I do too. I do too. But of course, Bob's like laying it on. He's like 90 minutes once a week, like three hours leading into quarter. the quarter. <laughs> I'm like, I really don't want to do those. I want to get just to the eight hour, but I understand it. I understand it. 45 minutes twice a day. <laughs> if there's oh resistance, then that's exactly where your healing is. That's the opportunity. That's the contrast. Right? Yeah. It's too easy to say like, no, nah, but I'm only going to do it when it's, it suits me. Right. And it's like, I wouldn't think twice about a 90 minute workout. This right. is a 90-minute right. workout. It's just what we trained ourselves to do. Right. And I think that's really how I, I mean, I knew I was going to be doing this eight-hour meditation. And, you know, every year, he's been so patient with me. Um, every year he talks about it. And I'm like, mm-hmm, like, that's for you, not for me. And then, um, although I knew when the time was right, I'd know. And I did. And and one of the ways, like, I just started selling myself on it or selling the mind on it was just like, girl, you've done 14-hour races. You've done seven-hour training runs. Like, you've done six hour, eight hour training rides. Like, come on, this is ridiculous. Like you, you gotta, you gotta now take that into the mental training. And so for an athlete to work up to something like that, I mean, I just, you're never the same. I'll never be the same. I will never be the same after that experience. You're going to, you're going to challenge, you're going to challenge all thoughts and beliefs that come up. Right, as an athlete, am I not worthy enough? Am I not fit enough? Am I strong enough? Right, these are all the thoughts that flood in, and having this opportunity to push to any any amount of time in meditation is going to allow you to see that separation of thought and what's true. Launch into the gap, baby. Yeah, get into this. Get into this, this juicy space in here that says this is where I have all my control. Right. 
I was giving away control to all these things. Like eight hours, no, I can't do it. So that means that that has power over you. Now I feel like I've collected that. It's in my basket. Like, let's go. <laughs> let's go race. Basket. Is there a race coming up? All right, awesome. Cool. Okay, let's wrap it up. Go down and catch the sunset. I think the sun's about to set. Let's go do Getting it. Getting ready for our camp next week. I'm just so excited to welcome people into this paradise. This is just a healthy, abundant, wonderful utopia that we live in. And I'm so feel so blessed to be able to share it with the athletes. So really excited for our camp next week. <laughs> and if you didn't make it this year, we'll let us know because <laughs> <laughs> we may do one again next year. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right, meditation starts with just one breath. Start meditating today. <laughs> Don't wait. BJ says you should do it. He's you shitting should. No, all over you. No, it'd be ideal. <laughs>